The True Location of the Ark of the Covenant The Ark of the Covenant is an object surrounded by mystery and fascination throughout our recent history, and perhaps beyond it. It captivates our collective interest, much like Atlantis, where many claims have been made to its supposed location. It has permeated our media through works such as Indiana Jones. You would be hard-pressed in our culture to find someone who has not at least heard of it, and probably has some theory on what or where it could be. Then how is it that it has eluded us all this time? Some would claim that it has not, and remains under the protection of an ancient ancestry of priests in Ethiopia. But I posit another theory here. What if it hasn't eluded us at all? Or at least not some of us. What if we could all discover the Ark of the Covenant for ourselves? There have been many studies towards the notion of the Bible acting as a kind of biological text, guiding the understanding of the physical to access the spirit. Even so much as in clear texts such as the place of Christ's crucifixion, Golgotha, which in Aramaic, the oldest biblical language, means place of the skull. And in the Greek canonical Gospels, is referred to in Koine Greek as cranion, which is the etymological origin of the medieval Latin word, yep, you guessed it, cranium. Cranion itself is derived from the word keras, which can mean apex or altar. This will come in later. Could it be that there is much to be said for the Bible acting as a guidebook for its disciple to discover the body's image as a tool for our spirit to connect back with the one which is one with all others? That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. John 17.21 The Ark of the Covenant itself, in this case, is representative of the brain. It is said to house the Ten Commandments. This is the covenant I make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Jeremiah 31.31 They have been written down as a reminder to those who have been overcome by the ego, one who is hard of hearing and poor of sight, in the moral sense, to act in goodness. The law was written for the ego, but the spiritual man who is not under the operation of the ego lives by grace. Joshua Tillman But when we are practicing in spirit and listen to God or the divine nature within ourselves, our mind transforms naturally into choosing to live out these laws. We find a deep knowing of truth in their goodness. You will often find the person who chooses a path of enlightened being and practice will become more kind and lose a sense of ego. They will put aside the choice of eating meat. These laws are part of our very nature, and when we begin to tune ourselves, we realize our body's nature as an instrument. The Ark of the Covenant was always hidden under a large veil made of skins, always carefully concealed, even from the eyes of the Levites who carried it on their shoulders. The Ark of the Covenant rests on all our shoulders. We are just looking through the wrong eye, which is why we cannot see it. It is hidden beneath the veil of our own skin. What's more, the moving temple that was to be constructed for the Ark of the Covenant, known as the Tabernacle, had to be built with an outer room called the Holy Place, an inner room called the Holy of Holies, and the Holy Place and the Holy of Holies must be separated from each other by a veil or curtain. The human brain has an outer covering called Dura Mater, the hard mother, and an innermost sensitive area called Pia Mater, tender mother. Dura Mater and Pia Mater are separated from each other by arachnoid, the web or veil or curtain. 
The reference to mother could also further the idea that Christ is at the mercy seat, and to be Christed is to access enlightenment. For Jesus was a virgin birth to the mother, Mary. She was pregnant with him, he who resides within the martyr, or mother. The tabernacle itself has many interesting correlations to the body, which are beyond the scope of this article, but for some important takeaways are the time in which it takes to be built. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. Exodus 19.1 This will be the month of Savan. Then the tabernacle was completed, and reared up on the first day of the first month of the second year, Nisan in the Jewish calendar. These months, although with different names and dates to our current Gregorian calendar, are still lunisolar, and therefore were split between a series of twelve months, meaning the months that took place between the time the Israelites arrived at Sinai and the time the temple, the tabernacle, was built, were a total of nine, nine months, the same period of time that the formation of a human being requires, within which is the Ark of the Covenant. The temple is lit by the light of its seven candles, corresponding to the seven chakras through which we may activate the pineal gland. Solomon's temple was seven years in the making without tools. In the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar throws Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire seven times hotter and witnesses them and a fourth, the Son of God. They had activated the seven flames to reach Christ, the Anointed One. The seven seals of Revelation that would again bring about the coming of Christ and the Ark of the Covenant. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven times pass by for him. Daniel 4.16 The energy is carnal energy in its beginning, at the root, and becomes purified as it passes through the energy centers. The idea is found throughout the Bible, and even goes so far as to practically give away the term. In Genesis, Jacob wrestles with God, and is given the new name, Israel. He names the place where he wrestles with God, Peniel, meaning face of God. There are even more, but I believe that the message is clear. Activating the seven flames, chakras, seals, connects us with our higher self and fills us with the light of God, mind. We are one and have been Christed. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. John 17:21. In the Bible, Christ's words are thus, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Matthew 6.22 Is it not likely that he refers to the third eye, the single eye, separate from the pair? When we use it, the spiritual practitioner will often report seeing a bright light appearing from within the darkness. On a personal level, I have spent time dedicated to meditative practices this past year, and I remember a particular experience wherein a golden light came forward from the blackness behind my eyes, and over a short period of seconds it filled my vision and overcame the blackness to become pure light as if I was blinded. I remember that huge emotions burst forth through me when this light came forth. I remember how my face grew a smile uncontrollably and the pure joy that I felt in those moments. At the time I did not connect it with anything but the feelings that came with it. 
Since then, I have read much about the opening of the pineal gland, facilitating such an experience. Did you know? Modern medical dissection has revealed that the front section of the pineal gland is equipped with the complete structure of a human eye. To further this idea of transcending through the chakras to communicate with God, or receive Christ, let's talk about the spine. The spine has 33 vertebrae. Christ himself, in his biblical character format, lived to the age of 33 before ascending at that age. Jumping backwards to the story of Moses and the Ark of the Covenant, Moses spent 40 days and nights on top of the mount, receiving visions from God. For six days he receives the vision of creation, resting on the seventh. Once again the chakra reference, which becomes clearer here. That leaves 33 days during which he was told the generations out of Adam, and the instructions for building the tabernacle. Both numbers here relate directly to the idea of ascension through the spine. What's more is in Exodus 4.20, Moses' rod becomes his symbol over the Israelites, the body. The rod is representative of the spine, and it is further referenced and sometimes made interchangeable with Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod creates another interesting connection in its ability to bloom almonds. If we follow the spinal cord up into the brain, we find the amygdala, which is Latin, but has its origin in ancient Greek. It derives from the word amygdala, meaning almond. Cherubim cerebrum. The words do bear some resemblance, perhaps subconscious development of etymology here. It is intriguing to note that the two cherubim rest above the Ark of the Covenant, their wings arched over it, and between them, the light or face of God is supposed to reveal itself. And the cherubim shall have their wings spread upward, covering the atoning cover with their wings and facing one another. The face of the cherubim are to be turned toward the atoning cover. Exodus 25.20 In Exodus 25.19, God commands, You shall make the cherubim of one piece. So they are opposite and facing each other, made of one piece with the Ark of the Covenant. This could be compared again with the cerebrum of the brain, which both covers the other parts and contains two sides opposing each other, their faces turned inwards, and being of a single structured piece, two parts of one. When God spoke to Moses, he was said to have done so from between the two cherubim. Taking what I said before about the pineal gland producing light, it is then interesting to note the spiritual glands rest centrally. One could say between the two halves of the cerebrum that arch over them like wings when taking a coronal slice. The Egyptian Connection The spiritual glands themselves resemble the eyes of Horus, the eye of Ra, and its opposite, the eye of Thoth, god of the sun and god of the moon, yin and yang, Emotions, creation, intuition, magic, versus reason, mathematics, logic, science, language. Balance. Left and right. Left and right brain. I mention the connection with the ancient Egyptians because there are writings within the Egyptian Book of the Dead that also bear resemblance to the commandments before the weighing of the heart. I am not making a claim of copying those texts but rather to show that man's nature knows what is right and wrong when relating to God. It is the fact that this is not unique that is expressing a genetic moral code that exists within human beings themselves, something that becomes more attuned as we become closer to God. Michelangelo knew something. It is often remarked upon that Leonardo da Vinci hides divine principles and messages within his works. 
his affinity for the natural world inspired many of his designs. You could say that in his aspirations he tuned himself into the divine wavelength. Another substantial character from the period, with whom da Vinci has spent time with, was Michelangelo. Michelangelo was a master of anatomy, of which he was a student throughout his life. In perhaps his most famous work, The Sistine Chapel Ceiling, this can be clearly seen. But there is an error, or perhaps not, in his work. In the artwork of The Separation of Light from Darkness, the anatomy of his neck appears to have gone awry, as does the lighting. Coming from the lower left in the painting, but casting on his neck like a spotlight from center and slightly to the right. A recent study of the work, which has baffled many of its viewers, was carried out by two experts of neuroanatomy at Johns Hopkins. It culminated in a paper concluding that the structure of his neck matched the anatomy of the human brainstem. What could it mean that a man, who in later life became much more of a spiritualist, depicted the voice box of God as the brainstem of a human being? I will leave it up to you to formulate your own answer. But just before you do, Take a look at another example of his work within the Sistine Chapel, the creation of Adam. Note the shape of the chair God appears to be sitting in. Take note of its artistic color. The artistic expression of a brain is often pinkish, although its actual shade is grayish-white. And the shape brings to mind the shape of a brain and is definitely peculiar from a master of anatomy. What other explanation could be applied for this odd geometry? God himself in this artwork is surrounded by what are described to be 12 angels, God's messengers. The brain itself has 12 cranial nerves, which communicate with the rest of the body. More on this later. Michelangelo himself transitioned to the belief that one could be in direct communication with God and that the church was not ultimately required as a mediator. This led to the severance of his pension by Pope Paul IV when he viewed the last of Michelangelo's works to be completed in the Sistine Chapel. He believed it alluded to exactly this concept, and the Pope declared that it was an act of defaming the Church. The Twelve Tribes of Judah And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain, and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. Revelation 21, 10-12 Here we see the holy city of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. Israel is likened to the body, just as described when Jacob is renamed by God, and its guide is Jerusalem, God's most holy place. The body cannot move without its orders from the brain, and the gates of this city that are spoken of are the cranial nerves, of which there are twelve pairs that pass out of the brain through apertures or openings or gates. We can see another example of this in how the encampment of the twelve tribes of Judah surround the central tabernacle that houses the Ark of the Covenant. Not only did they not move without the orders from the cloud above the tabernacle, within which was God, and could be likened to our brain once again in its grayish-white formless shape. But for each tribe, there were two elders, a pair for each of the twelve, just as there are twelve pairs of cranial nerves through which the body is controlled from its neural source above, the brain. The tribes themselves are of interest in telling this story. We've discussed Christ as a state of being, and I want to add another morsel for thought here, 
The Son, or Light of God, is known as the Lion of Judah. His tribe, Judah, is positioned in the east around the tabernacle, where the sun rises, where light is born. The Bible itself gives us clues as to its parable nature of teaching within its own characters. Christ tells stories to his people which are not meant literally, but bear within them some higher meaning. Just as the Bible is telling us stories with a meaning that ascend the tales, and just as an artist communicates messages through his art that are beyond the visual spectacle. Of course, it is highly likely that this appears highly unlikely to the reader. That's totally fine as I simply want to offer another possible understanding due to surprising connectivity, as is the case with much of what I write about. I want to offer ideas and spark critical thinking and further research from the interested individual. I feel that this is one of the best ways for us to develop a better understanding of complex and debated topics. In this case, I wanted to leave the reader with a passage from the Bible. Just a heads up, it is not targeted at you, but rather to have you think, after all this talk of finding God, or a connection with God, however the reader sees it, within one's own body through meditative and spiritual practices. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Matthew 23.13 Thanks for listening.